0: Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out yet another Woke and Baked. And if you are a regular listener of this podcast, you know that I love talking to uh, coaches. I I love talking to fighters. They're just people I enjoy talking to. You learn a lot from them. Now, this particular sit-down is one that I wanted to have for a little while And I was able to make it happen during this last trip to Texas. Uh, This interview specifically is with Douglas Fry. Douglas Fry is a quasi-pseudo-retired professional mixed martial artist. He is also a coach who is coaching his wife, who is current UFC strawweight, Jin Hugh Fry. Uh, Now, Jin has a fight coming up with... Ashley Yoder on July 31st, also on the card, Uriah Hall and Sean Strickland, they are the main event, Smiling Sam Alvey is on the card, as well as Nico Montano and Ronnie Yaya. A lot of names on this card, a lot of good fights that you should probably check out on this particular card, which is happening in, uh, in Las Vegas at the UFC Apex, and yeah, there you go, it's on ESPN. You should watch it it's on espn especially if you already have basic cable or you're like me and you subscribe to espn plus if you have disney plus you may already have espn plus there you go i'm hitting you with all of the good information so there you go boom merry christmas in july or whatever it is that you celebrate in july I mean, whether or not you celebrate it in July or in June doesn't matter. Just think of it as happening this particular day in July or whenever it is that you are listening to it. All right, so we talk about that stuff. We talk about not all that stuff, but some of the stuff that we just talked about that I mentioned that we talked about all right we talk about the UFC Performance Institute we talk about Uriah Hall we talk about fighting in different organizations we talk about Amarillo Texas and their place in mixed martial arts history we talk about pride FC we talk about paraphrasing former guest of this podcast as well as 10th Planet Black Belt Curtis Hembroff we talk about the benefits of working out training self-defense angry people on meth which by the way you will understand when you get there we talk about William Cooper books we also talk about traveling traveling is very important I myself just got back from Port Chatham Alaska and I will tell you all about that and drop some video at a later date all right but that's just the stuff that we talk about Some of the stuff we talk about. I'm sure we hit on some other stuff. The point is, we hit on a ton of topics. We hit on a ton of subjects. And as always, the links are in the description. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your energy. And thank you to our guest, Douglas Fry. Now, please continue to listen after the podcast so I can tell you about the super-duper sweet-ass, badass supporters of this podcast. Because we would be nothing... Less than nothing without you and your love and your kindness and all of that good stuff. All right. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Oh, yeah. One last thing. Tickets for the Chris Calico show on August 22nd at Soldatna's Sports Center are currently on sale at 5150 Vape. So go in, get yourself some sweet-ass tickets to go see the one and only Chris Calico. It might be your first concert. And if you're going to go to your first concert, well, then this should probably be one to check out. This guy's got over 20 years of performing on stage, and he is coming to Soldotna, Alaska. Last time he was here was like 13 years ago. There are folks that are going to be going to this concert with their kids, which is interesting because the last time he came, they would have had to have gotten babysitters for their kids. Now they can go to this concert with their grown-ass kids. That's pretty cool. All right, folks. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Thank you to the guests. Thank you to the supporters. Thank you to everybody. All right. Bye-bye. So, uh... Yeah, yeah. First off, oh, sir, uh, please introduce yourself. Oh, okay. uh, my name is Douglas Fry.
1: I'm born and bred Texan, born in Amarillo, and uh, residing in Arlington, Texas, for the past 13, uh, 16 years. You Next month, and uh, yeah. yeah, I'm a former mixed martial artist competitor, uh, and I, I coach mixed martial arts uh, as well as all the uh, the beautiful uh,
0: martial arts that come along with you know, Jujitsu and wrestling like, in my time. Um, how long have you been uh, coaching versus uh, fighter? Um,
1: it's twice. It's extr- well, I always had like a small, like little coaching gig here and there, like in 20- 20. 2012, 2013, 2014, just to make a little bit of extra cash. But it was like when I very first started building my uh, my coaching skills, would have been 2017. Um, I was I was hired, I, I was looked at as the guy to build an MMA team uh, at a Jiu Jitsu school. And uh, that was in July of 2017 when I had those conversations. So in, in September of 2017, I started a program. And, uh, and that's, when, that's what I would consider my freshman
0: year of. Uh, to in a full-time coach. Um, so uh, your wife uh, Jin Frey is currently a strawweight in the UFC um, I imagine that's gotta be an emotional roller coaster, is it? for me I just had like this was yeah I mean
1: I'm i uh, I've been I've been able to hold my shit together like externally but internally I'm a fucking wreck like um, I still have like, uh, like such crazy nerves whenever she, she fights and even even though I know how prepared she, she is I for know, like each one of these events, um, it's one of those things that I just had to deal with as it comes along. It used to be like in 20... 20- When she was first fighting for for convicted in twenty, maybe uh, fourteen, I would disappear. I would have a couple of beers to try to ease my ease my nerves. And after a couple of those, I was like, man, I don't I don't need that shit. Like I can I can hold this together. But um, either way, with the with the alcohol, without the alcohol, the nerves are there. The nerves are present. So I had to deal with it. And what I had to do is like understand that. I realized that the nerves were going to be there regardless of me having a couple of beers or not. So what I had to do, is I had to just search internally on how to keep myself... Uh, appearing very calm on the outside and just deal with my own uh, nerves that were going on internally, um, and also understanding that you know, even though that's my wife, we're there to do it. So you know, as a coach, she's my competitor. We're just there to work, right? And, and she's going to get in there and do what she's been to do. See you guys. Hey guys. Um, but still, like even even with her fighting the most recent fight against Gloria DePaula, like the nerves were present, and um, yeah, they just they they never go away. Like you, I, I had always had nerves like fighting myself the day of the fight, um, but then cage door closes or make that walk, and the nerves are gone, and I'm like all right, fuck yeah, I'm here to fight. This is what I want to do, and I control. I can I, my my what I put forth is like. Was a, was a better way to put it like I can control my own output versus I can't control Jim's output so I'm more nervous that she's not going to perform up to what she wants um
0: so a little bit about um, your wife, coaching your wife, uh, working with your wife. Several of my friends own businesses, whether it's uh, restaurants or other assorted entrepreneurial things, right? Um, do you feel like that, um, like there are like, pros and cons to having a business uh, with your wife? And can you talk about what some of those pros and cons might be? You know, I'm,
1: I'm so new into owning a business that haven't had the ability to just get into too many of those um those types of issues and when it comes down to it honestly like jen is jen is here and she trains and um and she's invested in in me succeeding um but she's kind of letting me do this like this is my thing and uh appreciate you and so we're not really running the business together. I'm running the business because it's, it's my business. Um, now... She does have an MBA, and so um, there are some questions that I have about how to approach certain scenarios, and I will ask her about that. And she's uh, she's an open book when it comes to that, or like when it comes to like negotiating, um, uh, purchasing uh, this facility that I'm that I'm currently subleasing at. Like, she's there to help with the negotiations because she knows like some of the terminology and, and the way to talk more business versus the personal side of things.
0: Well, I, I guess what I mean more specifically is. is uh in in that regard, where you are kind of like um, in, in the business of, of Jin's career, like can you talk about some of the pros and cons in that regard as well?
1: Well, there, the, the, there's a, a major dynamic of being a, a husband and a coach for your wife, uh, and I guess that would be vice versa as well. Um, I've, it's it's been a learning process to where I've got to understand when to turn off the coaching mindset and. Um, and tune up or turn on the, the just the husband um, approach to our, our marriage and our relationship because there there is a hard time having that filter at times of even just being home because I I'm always talking about fighting I'm always wanting to talk about techniques I'm always wanting to talk about uh, what's going on in the MMA world and, and things like that and. Um, she just doesn't fucking care. She doesn't want to hear it. Like, she's here. She wants to put in the training here. And then when she gets home, typically it's like, that's her escape. She goes and she, she's got a lot of orchids and, um, um she's a, a fucking green thumb. She is, she's the warrior in the garden, um, type person. And, um... I, I I just want to talk to talk about martial arts. So it's so the dynamic of, of switching off you know, like coaching all the fucking time, coaching my wife when we wake up, coaching her at the house, versus just coaching her here on the mat, is something that I've had to uh, to deal with. And it's like, and we made it work. Like we've won, we've won a bunch of world championships together, and we got into the UFC. And so um, there are hard times, just like in any type of marriage or coaching relationship. And uh, we just work through them. That's just all it is. We just work through
0: them. I'm assuming communication has to get really good. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so your wife is getting ready to fight Ashley Yoder at, uh, at the end of this month on July 31st. Uh, how is this camp different from previous camps? Uh, the
1: major things that I would say is that, um, is, is two things, is that um, she's worked extensively close with the UFC's Performance Institute on um, her athletic analytics. Like she went out to, the, to Vegas to the P.I., and um, and they did her, her measurements and they found out where she was strongest at, where she's weakest at, and now she's working with a, a personal trainer from up there, one of the head guys, and um, and, for, and I mean that's been that's been a solid three months now that she's been uh, working with them three days a week, and uh, and they're monitoring her vitals and her progression and things like that, uh, but also working um,
0: uh, on a on a weekly basis with uh, Uriah Hall on um, on her stand up, her kickboxing, her footwork, and, her footwork and all yeah. that good stuff. So, for those of you uh, at at home or at work, you know, not working, bless your heart, uh, go go check out Uriah Hall's uh, highlights. In fact, go down into the description. I'll I'll leave a link. from a, from a coach's perspective, um, because your wife uh, and yourself have, have fought in many different organizations, you fought in Alaska, you've, you fought all over the world, your wife's fought all over the world, whether it's uh, Ryzen, Invicta, uh, or the UFC, can you explain some of the differences, whether it's uh, production side or shoot catering and, uh, and where they're putting you up uh, between say Ryzen or Invicta or the UFC or I, I'm not sure if your wife fought in the LFA
1: um, you know, she did
0: it like Road FC
1: in Korea um, which is another it's like a, the premier Korean organization um, so that was another, just another big one but yeah um, uh, I think that what we're really looking at here is um, I think with all all four of those, like the production value of the shows uh, have been top tier, and if you do look at like at Ryzen especially and the UFC who are they have they have the funds available to really like put on these massive shows um, and. I do think that, like Invicta and even Road have put together some, have, have, have done extremely well for themselves and to make the fighters feel like they are fighting in a first-class show. Um, but there is a there is a difference when you talk about Rise, when you talk about the UFC, because there's more money involved. And so they're, they're able to um, fit bigger bills for even better production value and, and like, catering like, like um, like the UFC, when you finish a fight, and instead of going straight back to the hotel, or this is pre-COVID that I'm talking about, like you'd go to the green room. And the green room would be just catered with you know a lot of really, really exceptionally good food, and you'd just watch the fights there and get and get nice and fat and talk about your win or you know talk about the loss because the people that lost there as well. And same with Ryzen. Ryzen was was one and the same as well, but Ryzen. Ryzen's, that's a crazy that's a crazy story to even talk about like how we got paid and everything because I was like, where's the Yakuza? Where are they?
0: I know, they're, I know they're, they've got to be around here somewhere. Well, they were a big deal in Pride. And if I'm not mistaken, it's a lot of the same folks. It's the, it's the same guy. So uh, Pride, which, by the way, as a, as a fan, might be my favorite organization of all time. Um, they, they allowed for the most. You had the 10-minute round. Uh, you know, you got to see... Um, you got to see some of the greatest fighters uh, of all time and they got to take whatever supplements they wanted yep. um, and so you got to see what someone like uh, like Mirko Prokop could do on steroids uh, and that's where you know you, you end up with the, the left high kick of death yep. what are your thoughts on guys like Vitor Belfort having boxing matches against someone like say Oscar De La Hoya uh, and this this new window of sport a combat sports opportunity opening up for retired fighters,
1: uh, I say 100. percent That's amazing. These these fighters deserve it because now, I mean, they're getting guys like these YouTube stars that are they're bringing in some insane, an insane amount of money to do like like celebrity boxing matches type stuff. And and you're getting these older fighters that are that are um, you know that have made decent money and not near as much money as they're making with these. Like there's there's even these 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 bigger opportunities that they've had in these legendary uh, career paths like Vitor has had. Like like Anderson Silva has had. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's great. Like it's I mean it's kind of a freak show. It is what it is, but these guys are, are making their six figures, they're making their half a milli. Like, go get it guys. I'm I'm all for it.
0: I, uh, I'm excited for, like, as a fan, it allows for, for new opportunities. Um, I, I love the way that, that grappling, uh, and submission only tournaments have kind of opened up this door in the last few years, where hypothetically, you know, we may never see, uh, the Khabib, uh, uh, GSP fight. In fact, I'm willing to bet that we won't. Yeah. But there's a real chance that we could see that as a grappling match for charity. Uh, And and as a fan, I'd rather see that because I don't want to see either of these men get hurt for my entertainment at this point in in their careers and lives. But I would. I would love to see what, what... you know, three or six months with John Donaher in Puerto Rico does for GSP. Yeah, me, um, I'm, I'm paying sixty dollars for that pay per view. Yeah, be and and that whole undercard, whatever it is, whatever you can imagine it would be, it would probably be. How did Frey MMA come to be? I knew when I started training MMA in
1: 2006 that not only did I want to be a, a fighter, a competitor, but that was going to be my career. I was going to be a coach afterwards. And that's, this is what I would do for the rest of my life. So it was like, I chose my career. i chose chosen my path. And then I was going to put all of my stock and all of my energy into it. And it just so happens that it was at this point in my life to where I, I was in a, in a, in a place to where I could open up, uh, my own doors, and uh, and I wasn't working for somebody else, making you know x amount of money just per class, while while coaching in these world championship fights and and things like that. And now it's like I can give to the community um, a little piece of myself. And I've been a part of this community here in, in Arlington, uh, Dallas, Fort Worth area for four sixteen 16 years. So I've built a name, and um, and of course with with Jen being uh, the woman that she is, so it's like now it's just. It was the time to do it. It was like the perfect timing for me to to open up um, my doors to the general public and and bring some people in and learn learn self defense essentially. And with that comes the fighters, those that want to fight. They want to take it to the next level. They want to they want to test their cap- capabilities and their capacities um, against another uh, skilled individual. And so I'm I'm excited for for my future and just having seen what what is happening with my students in this short amount of time that I've had my doors open to what can happen in three years, in five years, in ten years.
0: That was kind of th- touching on that. that. Was one of the things that uh, Coach Curtis Hembroff would talk about on a regular basis. You want to get really good at choking people that are good at being uh, that are also really good at choking people. Yeah, like that's that that is the goal to be as as good as you can, and that comes through your repetitions. Um, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you decided on this career path and sticking to it?
1: Uh, see, I was two thousand six, so I was twenty four years old. Uh, I turned 24 in August of 2006, and I started training MMA in December of 20, 2006, and uh, it wasn't even me who bought my membership. My brother, just my my younger brother, I have one, one blood brother, uh, his name's Jonathan, and he was living with me at that time, and he just knew that that's where I needed to go. i had talked about it for so long, and coming up from wrestling, and like... Um, I, I wanted to fight, and so he bought me for my my a Christmas gift a three month membership to a place that promoted mixed martial arts. I walked in, I paid the three month membership, and that started the, my, my snowball effect to this. But it was like my brother saw that I needed it; he knew that I wanted it, and so he was like, "I'm going to help you get this, this get this uh, this path started." And so when I when I paid that down payment, I was like, "I know this is it. This is now. I go forward." and um, yeah, so I knew I knew
0: then in two thousand six. So um, now that you you own your own school, can you talk about uh, some of the health benefits uh, simply of, of training mixed martial arts? Yeah, so I mean, you, you you go with just just exercising in general. You're you're
1: releasing endorphins and 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 your brain's getting receiving dopamine and like you're getting all the feel good uh, chemicals in your brain from exerting energy from learning and then exerting energy against a, uh, another. A training partner on the mat in a controlled environment. So you're building, you're you're getting the endorphins, you're getting the feel good, you're getting physical activity, uh, you're getting some, uh, uh, you're having to be cognitive, so you're 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 working your brain, uh, but at the same time you're learning self defense, and you're learning it from a guy like me who. My LLC is called Juicy Violence. Like I am a super violent guy. Like I smile and I and I and I'm bad. I got a good face and I talk well and I'm super friendly. But like when I talk to my students, even those that like like the the two girls I was telling you about earlier, who I like, have never done any type of. They, they're not aggressive. They don't want any, anything to do that. They just want to learn, like, how to defend themselves. And I'm talking to them about this mean jitsu, about this juicy violence, because I'm like, listen, we're working this type of stuff, but this is to hurt somebody. We're looking to fucking break arms here. We're looking to get a hold of somebody's neck, and if they don't tap, they accept death. It's type. It's that type of shit, and that's how I talk to them. And it's really built up this like this community of, like, this understanding of, like, yeah, we're learning self-defense, but we're learning, like, like how to fucking... Disable somebody um, in a very violent Manner um, So again just like uh, Building in, into the community like My, uh, my Outlook on how, why, why I do this I want to be harder to kill And I want you all to be harder to kill
0: I think those are the words. Be hard to kill. Be hard to kill.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, and, I, and I'll leave their names out just because they they're not here. But I have um, I have a member of mine, and he he and I have known each other uh, in a roundabout way for a lot of years. And he found out I was opening up my own place. He came, checked it out, joined up. And a, I guess I guess it was his very first girlfriend when he was in uh, elementary school, and he's a grown man now. He's in his mid thirties, but he had made, still kept in contact with her, and, and they've still been friends all their lives. And he had talked to me about it. He's like, I'm going to bring her in, and you know, she got out of a bad relationship, and he was he was physical physically abused her and stuff, and he was like, she she kind of just needs something. And I was like, of course, yeah, bring her in. Let's see if she likes it. Came in on an open mat, just like today on Saturday. You know, there's no there's no. Um, real coaching instruction on an open mat. We're just in here having a good time, doing some rolling. So it's not the best day for someone who's never seen or done or anything to come in and get their feet wet. But she came in and I held a little mitts for her and taught her some a little bit of footwork. And she came back the next Monday and she signed up. She's like, I'm gonna give it a go and she had never done never watched one fight before, didn't know what jiu jitsu was, nothing. She was just like, I just know I need to defend myself. She she's not physically fit. She's a yoga instructor, um, and so she, she has that that art where she she is able to, I mean, she's we're putting in her, her in footlocks and stuff like that and she's like, nope, nope, I'm not gonna I don't need a tap, it doesn't hurt <laughs> that type of person, but she liked it and so much she enjoyed it so much that she asked one of her friends um, to come about a month later. one of her friends came and checked it out. Same story where I um, mean minus the, the abuse' because I, I don't know that much about her on a personal level, but I do know that she was also like, I just kind of want to learn how to defend myself like I'm a, I'm a very petite woman and I look like you could take advantage of me. So um, here we are we, we fast forward like I think I got one of them has been with me for six months. One of them's been with me for five months. Yeah, but so like, but what I've seen is like the, the benefit of the training. Like they they both they've stuck with it uh, for five months and six months, and now and it took it took about three months for each one of them to even like break apart from each other, the drilling aspect, and even interact with anybody else on the mats. And we we'll have anywhere between anywhere between ten and twenty four people on, on the mats at any given time. But now it's like they're rolling with the older men, like bigger men, and like I and. Like I just see this, the, the self-confidence oozing from them, and they get done. They're just smiling, and we take our group photo, and they're interacting in the group photo. They're hitting their lotus. You know what I mean? It's like that's what I wanted. That's the, it's the culture that I'm wanting to build here is like anybody can walk into these doors, and you can be yourself, and, you can, um, and you're going to learn some really fucking cool skills. Here, juicy guys and you get you get me, and I'm a fucking super quirky guy, and I'm gonna come in here with uh, with high energy all the time and be as understanding as I can, and, and let you be yourself. I'm not trying to mold you to be anything you're not. I want you to feel like you can come in here and be comfortable, and I think that's the kind of like the vibe that everybody's gotten. It's why it's it's grown to its how big it's done gone in, in, in this short amount of time to where, bro. Now I'm now I'm talking about buying out this uh this uh, this gym, so I'm subleasing here, and now I'm in negotiations to purchase their name and purchase all their members and. I've I've got some good things going, so
0: it just proved to like myself uh, that yeah, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I like to bring this story up on the podcast. One of our previous guests, uh Mae Britton was a a master's world champion a few years ago and she's also one of my coaches. But she started uh, coming in for a women's self-defense class and this was something that she allowed, you know, she was allowed to be herself and she was able to transition into becoming a world champion in this very tough combat sport in her 40s. You know, and That's incredible and but it's not even like it's a strange story it's a, it's a it's a story that that enough people have um But how many people weren't necessarily going for that? Whose lives are uh, immeasurably better? Better, they're they're more confident in everything that they do. They're more flexible. Uh, They're stronger. You know, like they had knee pain. Their knee pain is not so much because they're working on flexibility. They're working. They're smaller than they were uh, than they were. They're putting less pressure on their oddly less pressure on their joints than they were previously. I've got a a buddy of mine, uh, Curtis Dunham. He started training at 41 years old. He was... Believe he was pushing four hundred pounds, uh, and he's down. You know, he, he you know, if he's competing, he's down at around two oh five. And this is you know after forty one years old. So I, I feel like for me, jiu jitsu, the, the murder yoga is absolutely applicable. <laughs> like it, if you think about it, is in from a position of, of I'm just trying to become more flexible in in more than one way. You know, um, and then I'm trying to crush my ego and, and get rid of that and and get comfortable being uncomfortable it allows me to look at other parts of my life and know okay if I can just breathe it translates it translates into all that's exactly right you're hitting the nail on the head like
1: you, you got somebody suffocating you or they're on top of you and you're just like if I just keep my nerves calm and I just breathe I'm gonna be fine if I freak out shit's gonna go south and you can take that into your everyday walk of life With any type, you can take that to driving in traffic. I don't know how much traffic you guys have in in your neck of the woods, but you know here in DFW, this shit is fucking sucks. And it's all day every day. But you know what you can do is you can control your, your reaction to things. You know what I mean? You can choose to get upset over somebody cutting you off, or you can be like, it's fine. It's no big deal. Like, I don't know that person. They don't know me. I just keep driving and going about my business. But it's learning that. Here on the training mat and it's that same mindset
0: can you talk about amarillo's place in mma's history and how did it become a place that bred fighters
1: i'm born and raised in amarillo uh jen was born in Crossit arkansas but before she was one years old uh one year old um her parents had moved her to amarillo so she was essentially raised born and raised in amarillo and there are the other fighters there that were from there that are from there like you had steve nelson all the uh Iwelli. you had heath herring paul Buintello, and evan tanner is like some of the big names that um that came out i mean cody fister who made it to the ufc um in in recent years marcus Sursa is another guy who just he, he killed it in um in, in thailand as well as the netherlands and Uh, on the local scenes, uh, in the regional scenes in the, in the United States. But why Amarillo breeds spiders the way that it does? I, I really don't know. It's just a hard nosed town and it's, it's a, it's about a quarter million people in the the middle of nowhere, um, in the flatlands and you have, um, the government, um, um, site called Pantex that's underground just outside of Amarillo that is the place where nuclear warheads are deactivated and um and it's called Bomb City and like there's there's like a bunch of just kind of just weird crazy shit maybe in the water you know what I mean in, in, in the air um but yeah like in the in the mid 90s when I was going to when I was in uh in high school specifically in wrestling in, in Amarillo and um the wrestling coach is being a, a middleweight champion for um, the shoot fighting uh, the USWF. Um, if you know, if you know that that organization, USWF, like Steve Nelson was the owner of that one. I was talking. So Josh Barnett is a, is a good friend of mine, and uh, talking with him about the USWF and and like the old pancreation, and like of course he's he's an OG. So those are like memories for him. But he knew all, he knows all the guys that that I'd like to talk about from the late 90s and early 2000s that I was watching but um, with Amarillo like you've bred there's been all these good fighters that have come out some have been world champions at UFC level and, and other organizations and, and fought in pride and, and all that good stuff um, but like the people themselves I, it's funny because I take my I take sometimes I'll take my friends from here we'll go to Amarillo where it's kind of treated like royalty There, like you know if I want to drink like drinks are free like if we want to eat like everybody's somebody's fitting the bill like which, which is nice they, they treat us like that these days but it's also, like, if we are out and about and we're at a bar, like, it's consistent to where around midnight, 1 o'clock, you know, maybe 11 o'clock, you start looking around the room um, and you start seeing those that are just sitting there and they're just starting to, like, get that look on their face like, I want to fucking fight someone tonight. And that's the thing about the, the everybody that I know from Amarillo will fight you for nothing at any given moment anywhere. Like, that's it's just a very fighting city, fighting town. Uh, where there's not a lot to do except for fighting and drugs and just getting in trouble, right? And um, it's been pretty consistent like that. And I haven't lived there for 16 years, and they still go back. And it's still, I, I'll take my friends up there. And I'm like, just watch. And so that time will start coming around around midnight, and I'll be able to look at that guy right there. Look, he's looking to fight somebody right now. He's just looking for someone to talk shit to him.
0: But it's like that. Um, you mentioned cash wrestling. Um and there's there's a there's a name that uh, doesn't get mentioned enough, in my opinion, especially when it comes to grappling arts. And that name is is, is the giant among men, Jean LaBelle. Oh yeah, judo um, Jean. Can you can you talk a little bit about his importance uh, in in the history of uh, submission grappling, submission wrestling?
1: I mean, he just he's a, he's a G like. Um West Coast, California, like, he was, I believe that's where Gene LaBelle's uh, gym was, right? It was in it was in California. I believe so. And um, and he was, he was, I know he was also doing, like, wrestling shows, but it was wrestling shows before all the theatrics to where they are applying, like, like, real catches, catch can uh, holds and his judo holds and things like that, but as far as, like, the man, judo Gene LaBelle, like... I haven't done enough research on him to be like given a um, a better opinion about him. I know his name. I know that he has has a place in the history for mixed martial arts and especially the grappling arts. But honestly, like I'm not really the guy to give a like a um,
0: a good understanding of what he did and, and who he is. Fair enough. I can I can absolutely appreciate. If you're at home or at work, shamming. Go, go, Wiki the man, and then then look up look up his highlights on, on YouTube. Um, what is a question uh, that you have never been asked in an interview that you would you would ask yourself? What do you think is the perfect question to ask uh, uh, Douglas Fry? Um, oh,
1: that's a good one. Like the over the years, like the interviews are. Are especially like meeting somebody for the first time, and, and it's it's kind of like the same formatted questions of like, who are you? where got you into this? What are you doing now? Um, and and how are things going? And, and of course, bringing up my wife and stuff. Um, but there's any there's rarely anything outside of just combat sports as far as the question goes. So, if um, what I like to talk about outside of combat sports is like my hobby of traveling the world and climbing mountains across the world. And, um, my wife and I have, we've traveled the world extensively and we'll, we'll find a shoulder season. This is pre COVID COVID has really fucked us up, um, on our traveling. We've been to 27 countries. Some of those countries multiple times. We were married in Scotland. We spent a lot of time in Iceland and in Peru. And, um, and like, what's my favorite Trek? Like, what are some of my stories on there? Because I, that's, that's the one where I've got so many of those. And whenever I do interviews, like. None of those questions asked because it's all it's all that is sports related, which is my life. But
0: I have like my major interest Like outside of that is mountains, climbing mountains. Well, good for you because we have listeners from all over the world, and uh, and Alaska has some of the finest yes, dog do. mountains known to man. Yes. If you were telling, if you were trying to convince a stranger to go to one of three places in the world for for any reason, whether it's time alone with a loved one or time alone by yourself or to go do something hard uh, what are three of those places uh, that you would recommend and maybe a shorter answer on why? Yeah so one of my one of my favorite treks that uh, was just getting out in the wilderness and getting
1: off the grid was through Jotunheim National Park in Norway Jen and I went in September and we just had our camping gear we had, we had uh, mapped out where we were going to be trekking but we got there and after day one Because of the weather that was coming through, it completely rerouted and changed what we could do. And so we had to do everything on the fly. And um, just trekking through Jotunheim and National Park um, and being off the grid and, and just being being by ourselves like that was that was breathtaking but that's, that's like my shit where it's all open space like you can the, the water's so pure coming off the glacier you can drink out of it and you know so similar I'm sure to like spots in Alaska because, because it's a, it's like the same terrain and so Yotanheim National Park for sure is, is one of them I got to show love to Iceland too because I've been to Iceland a few times and gone into the highlands of uh, uh, Long Manalur as well as um, oh what is that fucking trek that we did just outside of Skogapas. I'll think about when I'm not thinking of it but just the 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 terrain, how beautiful it is, all the waterfalls, but then coming up and, and trekking around a volcano and then getting into um, the Lan Manalo area that like the, there's the layers it's like a, a rainbow mountain to where you have the, the the grays and the blues and the and the yellows and the reds all all stacked with each other, and it's like, like that is such a beautiful part of the world. Um, that I would I would encourage anybody to get into in the in the Highlands of Scotland or in the Highlands of Iceland rather. And, but all the stuff that we do is extremely difficult too. But like something that would be a little bit less dangerous, if you will, because what well, we are putting ourselves we're experienced travelers, so we go to these places where if you're not experienced, you, you should hire a guide or or you should maybe not not do that. <laughs> um, but when it comes to like bigger cities like Osaka, Japan, um, where it's not really mountains, but it's it is. It is a beautifully ran city. It's clean. The transportation to get anywhere throughout the city is amazing. The food is incredible. The people are great, and it's like a whole different vibe outside of the mountains. That would be something that like and you could go visit Kyoto, which is the old imperial palace uh, of um, of Japan, which is like an hour train ride uh, outside of there, and it's just it's just incredible. It's beautiful. It's it's. The old—they're uh, uh, not Buddhist temples. They're, it's another—it's another, it's another um, religion that's there that's drawing blanks again. But um, I can—I can—I can always say like, go go here, go there. Like I have—I have a lot of recommendations. Being, I've gone to six, six continents. I always throw flying knees everywhere. So I've got like—I've got one continent that I haven't been to that I've got to throw my flying knee, and that's Antarctica. So it's like, how do I get there? Fight a penguin? I don't know. I've got to get down to, to Argentina. and then kind of across the. Uh, that, that straight, that um, is a very, it's a, what is that, golly, I'm telling on a few of these questions.
0: It's okay, you're doing better than me. Uh, <laughs> I, I just assume that you're going to you are gonna have to to fight the Rothschilds to get to Antarctica before oh, you get to you the, the know. secret underground I'm bases. I'm trying to see fl- the edge of the flat earth. Yeah, which is which is what you're getting to You see the, the 20-foot ice wall. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm I got, to do my flying knee by the ice wall. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to see where the Nazis were shooting the rockets up to the, the base on the dark side of the moon. Not sure if you, you've read the you Pale Horse, but yeah, it gets Oddly deep. enough. My fight name was the Pale Horse, given to me
1: after my sixth professional fight. My uh, my coach is like, "You're the Pale Horse," but like, all you do is bring death. And I was like, "Thank you, Casey." Yeah, so got that late in my later. Well, I
0: was about twelve fights deep of a twenty-nine fight career. If I got a fight name, um, can you talk about? Would you like to talk about some of your sponsors, given the opportunity? Yeah, I
1: mean, I've got, I've got, I've got the, the two that have just stuck with me through, through thick and thin, and been been attached to myself and my wife for a long time. <clears throat> That's On It down in Austin um, and Cruise Combat uh, here in Dallas, and um, yeah, those Cruise Combat owned by by Ryan and Nikki Nett. Um, I started developing a relationship in 2011. They sponsored me for an event that I was fighting in, and um, like these crop shorts—they had never done crop shorts before. They'd always done long board shorts, and um, I was—I was fighting for them, and they're like, "We can do anything you want." And I was like, "I want crop shorts. I want them high. Like I want to be able to move around. I like the, I like the free flowing, uh, but I don't like the bagginess of typhoons." And they're like. We got you. And now, fast forward ten years later, this is their number one selling product of their of, of crop shorts, and now they're all over EBI and, and uh, combat jujitsu. And like they've, Ryan and Nikki have really, really invested their time and their energy into their company, and now it's paying dividends. Uh, then, of course, on it, my guy's down in Austin, um, started building relationship with them around 2013, and. Um, uh, they picked up Jim as an athlete. I'd, I'd sent them an email, and it got shut down, and then she got signed to Invicta. <clears throat> I sent them another email, got shut down, and then she won for Invicta, and I sent them another email, and they were like, all right, all right, what, what do you have to say? Let's, let's meet this girl. And they brought us down, and we developed that relationship, and what came with that is me meeting Curtis Hembroff and uh, Eric Malam, Isik, um, who's, a, who's a staple down there in Austin, at 10 Planet ATX now. And, you know, those are my, those are my guys. Like, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have met. Um, those guys threw on it. But at the same time, Andrew Craig, who's down there uh, doing the MMA program at 10 Planet Austin, he still works for on it, and he still has my back then. he still keeps Jen and I on, on the best supplements on the market. And, um, you know, keep in mind, I'll be 39 next month and, and competing. I've been competing for 23 years with my wrestling, and like I'm still able to do this at a, at a pretty high level. And I and a lot of it has to do with a my, my diet, I'm sure genetics, the way that I train, uh, but my supplementation products that I use on a on a pretty frequent basis is Alpha Brain Shroom Tech Sport. In your opinion, what is the best place to eat in town? Ooh, man! So I in Fort Worth is like I would. Push you to go to this Spanish tapas bar that uh, I recently discovered for myself. It opened up this year. It is a concept of Chef Tim Love, okay. um, and it's in the stockyards at a. Um, what is the hotel called? It's at the top of the hotel. It's the rooftop bar and overlooks downtown. And the vibe there is. So fucking good But if you And if you do drink alcohol Like their Their uh, their menu of, uh, of cocktails Is amazing But their food is just It's incredible I, I worked in fine dining At one time um, In Dallas And The place that I worked at called Smoke was like, it opened up my mind to like all these different types of cooking techniques and, and, and things like that. And this is the first spot that I've eaten at since I had worked at Smoke way, way back in the day that felt like I was at, at Smoke. Um, but that's a little bit more off of the, the Texas type of food, the barbecue type stuff. Um, if you like Mexican food, any type of tacos, like, or burritos, like I'm, I'm actually going to go get a breakfast burrito whenever we leave here from a a spot called Salsa Ramon.
0: Before I get into any supporter stuff, I need to mention, I was asked to mention, so I'm going to mention the Schnitzel Bomber. Now, what about the Schnitzel Bomber specifically? Well, on Friday, the 23rd of this month, going on from about 7 to 12-ish, I'm assuming that's midnight, they've got concerts, they've got food, they've got a lot going on, including music from the Micah Day Show, Cody Nicely. Justin Boots and the goddamn Ranch Hand Band, which, by the way, if you have not seen Justin Boots perform live, you should absolutely 100% check out Justin Boots live. You should also check out Cody Nicely and Micah Day. I am a fan of both of those gentlemen. And that is going on Friday, the 23rd of July at the Schnitzel Bomber. All right, the Schnitzel Bomber is on the corner of uh, K Beach and Poppy. So, like, if you're going to uh, like the college or you're going to K Beach Elementary, it would be on the right. So, if you're in the soldatna area and you are hungry on Friday. Well, if you're, if you're hungry, like Tuesday through Saturday, you should go to the Schnitzel Bomber. I'd recommend them. I would also recommend Big Dogs and uh, Yo Tacos. There are a couple of different places I would recommend. Taco Bell is not one of them, but uh, shop local because that's what you're supposed to do. Anyway, uh, yeah, so that is going on at the Schnitzel Bomber on Friday, June 23rd. Now, moving on to our regular supporters. Iron Asylum, located at 35165 KB Drive in Seoul, Datna. You can find them on Instagram as well as Facebook. They carry supplements. They have treadmills, kettlebells, squat racks, dumbbells, barbells, and much, much more. All right, for more information, give Brandon a call at 907-953-4720. Also, Red Run Cannabis Company, located on the Kenai-Spur Highway, they are the makers of fine concentrates, aid. Z-carb oil for making your own edibles, and much, much more. Uh, much, much more. Much, much more. Now they also have a retail location. That retail location is on the Kenai Spur Highway. So I like to think of it as like Nike Town with better ethics. But their products are located all over the great state of Alaska. Stop into your favorite dispensary, regardless of who they are. Tell them you like their stuff and uh, that you want it in your dispensary that you go to and your dispensary, hopefully, if they respect you as a customer, will say, yeah, we'll get you some Hashade. They've got all different types. They've got lemonade, blueberry, strawberry. They've got all kinds of flavors of Hashade and they're coming out with more and more all the time. So if you like your drinkables and you should, I prefer drinkables to... Uh, your typical edibles for a couple of different reasons, and I'm sure we'll get to that at a different time and in a different place. But yeah, I am a, uh, a fan of Hashade. I recommend Hashade to uh, to your loved ones in from out of town or your loved ones who don't regularly consume as long as your, re- your uh, loved ones are over the age of 21. All right, and as a reminder, your tickets to Chris Calico are available right now at 5150 Vapes. Also, no-gi Jitsu going on at All-American Training Center Monday through Thursday at around 7.30-ish. Taught on Monday through Wednesday by Coach George. And on Thursday, classes will be coached by the one and only Mrs. May Britton, who, by the way, guest of the podcast. So... We're lucky to have her. We're always lucky to talk to her. I like me. She's rad. All right, folks. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here is your cannabis warning, and have a great day, afternoon, or evening, or whenever it is you're listening to this. It could be one of those strange in-between times. As per 3AAC 306.360, Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding.